So we'll keep our heads on our bodies. Yes. Don't explode any heads, kids. Next door. It's uh it's been a minute. <laughs> a whole yeah. month. <laughs> we forgot like how to do it. Yeah. For a second. We almost didn't put stuff in the stuff. <laughs> we almost were like, huh. We almost didn't hit act like play or mm-hmm, record. Mm-hmm. Important things. We didn't write stuff down. Yeah, no, not at all. And then we're like, oh, yeah. This is a show. Scripts. You got to go in, like, with stuff. It's not just saying. Like, we're not talking for fun. Like, we are, but But we're not. At the same time. Yeah. But we're Um, talking words that we thought about before. mm -hmm, Not mm -hmm. just, like, off the cuff. But welcome back. Ghouls, that's us. Spooky Uh, times. (laughs) It is our favorite month. It Mm -hmm. is October. It is our three-year anniversary. It is a celebration. Three years. Three years. Where's my ring? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the three-year anniversary is. Like, was it like paper? Maybe. Because like for a new girl, it was like 10 anniversary for 10. Yeah. So I don't know. know. If you know, let us know. And we need to know how to celebrate, like, appropriately. Yeah. I don't well, want to be out here acting a fool, <laughs> not getting you paper if I'm supposed to get you paper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so it's October. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a month off, so I do hope you missed us. And if not, maybe you're just like, oh, cool, these ladies Look into are our eyes. Don't they look refreshed? Um, <laughs> if you are watching, you probably see... And you probably can hear a little bit of some muffle happening on my end. Um, we are wearing masks because we're responsible human beings. For safety. Yes. Our previous episode host, we were um, socially distanced. We were apart from each other. And so we didn't have to. Uh, the episodes before that, we had been quarantined together. So we knew we were safe. Uh, mm-hmm. This time, we, we are not living together. Um, we have been quarantined and social distance and uh, check out. But... You know, safety first. My um, immunocompromised butt is not dying from this thing, guys. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of attempts of the world Yeah. to take me out with my asthma and long other list of things. We're not doing it. We're wearing masks. We're prepared. Yes. Safety first in the spookiest month of all. Spooky, oh. spooky safety. You know, we got to keep our safety media analysis glasses on. Mm-hmm. We need to be... Keeping us alive yes. for the future. Yeah. So we can get to four-year anniversary. Maybe we're on TV or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, just like crazy dreams. Yeah. Maybe um, we're outside. Who knows? Maybe I finally made that game I've been saying I was making for like five years. Yeah. And we make that music video we said we were going to make for forever. Yeah. Maybe I make a comic too. You know, whatever. Yeah. So many a lot things. of time. <laughs> yes. We, so there's a lot that's going on this year. Um, and you have, you know, been listening to us and kind of seeing the ways that we've adapted and, uh, kind of reacted to what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually recording this in September. So even though we're like off, it's September, which is suicide prevention month. 
Yeah. And so um, we are kicking off a new series, which is called The Kids Are All Right, where we're talking about um, youth on screen in either horror or spooky or stressful situations <laughs> um, and kind of how youth, puberty, like being a kid when life gets really hard mm-hmm. affects you. Um, specifically, we're going to be talking about the Netflix show, I Am Not Okay With This. That's what we're talking about today, which does feature um, a, a suicide yep. off screen. It happened before the events of this show, but it is greatly affecting our protagonists and the story and what we'll discuss later. Also in the the graphic novel of which it was from, adapted from, it severely impacts her um, in a very detrimental way. And so as the, no, <laughs> as the ghouls, we want to make sure um, that you know there is support, that you know you might be in a place that is emotional and dark and you feel like there's no way out, but there is. And there is a way to get help. There is a support system. We are here for you. Uh, the, there are helplines and hotlines, so you can call the suicide prevention hotline here in America. I don't know what it is elsewhere, but the American one is uh, 800-273-8255. So again, that's 800-273-8255. So if you're feeling like you need support and you feel hopeless, especially now when the world mm-hmm. is very bleak and we can all kind of relate to that feeling, um, you are not alone. And it, it would do well for you to call and to work through this because you are a treasured human being that the world needs in it, honestly. Um, you can also text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 741-741. Um, again, that's text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 741-741. As a millennial, talking on the phone is stressful enough. <laughs> and yeah, so if you're already real. in a dark place, maybe calling someone isn't great. Um, text help, right? Um, you know, you owe it to yourself to kind of put in that extra effort um, because it's going to get better. Um, the other thing that we wanted to say as well is that there is a great podcast that are our friends uh, over at the Victims and Villains podcast with Captain Nostalgia and Black Nerd Magic. Mm-hmm. We did an episode with them on District 9, if you're interested. But also they have um, amazing resources and a part of their um, core goal is to inform people and, and make it uh, to talk about hope. And, and mm-hmm. that you sh- you, there is a silver lining. There's something to reach for um, at the end of the day. And so if you're interested in talking about film and hearing about that, but also getting support, Victims and Villains podcast. Yeah. And uh, I will say as someone who works with uh, kids and middle schoolers and high schoolers in general, we really need to destigmatize the whole people can have suicidal thoughts and not have a plan for enacting their suicide. Mm -hmm. So it's very normal to have suicidal thoughts or like suicidal idealizations. Mm -hmm. But if you have a plan, that's very different. So people should ask people who seem like they might be in a very dark place if you do not just ask outright kind of like are you having suicidal thoughts that can like make or break a situation because they want to be like as someone who has had those kinds of thoughts you want to be asked and not because you have a plan because you want someone to notice that you're not okay Mm -hmm. because you know you're not doing a good job 
pretending to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, it's rude as all get out if like all the people in your life who care about you more than anything else don't notice how not okay you are. Yeah. Um. So it's like, it's very real. So if you notice, you should like see something, say something kind of yeah. end, where it's like, if you notice someone in your life is like really clearly not cool, you're not like ask them if they one are having suicidal thoughts or if they have a plan. If they say yes, you ask if they have a plan because if they don't have a plan, there's still a lot of time for hope and help and all of that. And if they have a plan, then they know that there's someone who can kind of like step in in a place where they're not okay enough to step in for themselves. So Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, it, yeah, if you're some, it is hard to ask for help a lot of the times and we often do it in these roundabout ways with like giving away our things or re re retreating from things or like putting up this front of like, you know, everything's okay when it shouldn't be, um, which is uh, things that we find in this show too. Like she's very honest with her feelings and people do like try to help in the ways that they know how, mm -hmm. but she's also like not asking or like not allowing the people who care the most about her to help as well. Mm -hmm. So there's like all these different levels to it. And so um, we just want to make sure that you know that the ghouls here really care um, about you and your well-being and the people that you love and who are around you. And so um, there there will be light at the end. Like we will have we have something good. <laughs> um, yeah, you just got to survive long enough to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we've we've gone through some stuff ourselves. And so um, can, you know, speak from some of the experiences, which is why this this show was a pleasant surprise there's a lot of elements to it that i was expecting and then not expecting mm -hmm. um i think this yeah there's a lot of themes and things that i think um people will find very interesting i think it's a great show it's very quick it's uh refreshing it's not overbearing it's charming mm -hmm. it had a lot of yeah, as you said, like, surprises. Like, it, it was very layered. And, like, it was covering not only the, like, experience of dealing with, like, a parent who had committed suicide, but also, like, what it is to be a teenager, what it is to grapple with your sexuality and try to figure out who you are, mm -hmm. what it is to not have supportive adults kind of in your life until, like, the space presents itself to allow for that, I guess. Like, it just kind of, like, the grieving process and how like the loss of a loved one specifically by suicide impacts everybody and like kind of the roles that everyone kind of feels like they have to mm -hmm. put on so like uh i guess should we do the overview of what it is yeah Let let's me tell them what it is let me give you the rundown um it's called i am not okay with this which is just such a fun title and um, and is like a phrase people should get comfortable with saying like mm -hmm. you should feel like if you are not okay or comfortable with a situation please mention that and, and remove yourself from situations like that that's totally okay mm -hmm. no that's really real people usually get very like oh peer pressure or like a million other things just yeah. societal pressure like all right i'm gonna do this thing to fit in but it's bad yeah um so that it goes a teenager navigates the complexities of high school family and her sexuality while dealing with a new superpower it's based on Charles Forsman's graphic novel. Um, they don't put it in the description, but there's also dealing with like the death of her parents, specifically by suicide. Um, it's directed by Jonathan Entwistle. 
mm-hmm. which is a really fun name. <laughs> yes. And Twizzle. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. is starring uh, Sophia um, Lil- Willis. Willis. What is it? Willis. Willis. As Sid. Uh, Sydney. Um, we saw her as um, Bev in uh, It Chapter 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal breakout actress. Like, yeah. definitely still the, the scene. I think she's the best Beverly I've ever seen on, on screen for sure. Um, <laughs> like, not talking about Jessica Chatwin. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a phenomenal actress and very, like, good at emoting and showing just like grief and teenage angst and like kind of keeping your head above water mm-hmm. when everything really sucks as like a young person but then compounded with like supernatural things mm-hmm. on top of like our already like life sucks as a teenage person <laughs> anyway. yeah middle school high school ooh, rough yeah. Whole thing bad. Yeah. Except for, uh, I guess, the people who really love those times. And that is one of the characters' comments on. Because, like, this is their prime. Yeah, this is it for them. And that's okay. Yeah. It's just different. And, I mean, I think there's, you know, they you end up having more, but it's just not the more that... I feel like their 50s yeah. are good, too. Yeah. So that's, like, after the divorce and... <laughs> the like figure like you know midlife crisis opens a lot of doors for people like yeah. where they really find themselves and like they realize the that, like important things so now they can do whatever mm-hmm. yeah exactly for sure yeah i think um so something that i thought of when i when we started watching this um in that you know when we see her at the beginning the first image we see of her she's drenched in blood mm-hmm. and it's very carry reminiscent yeah that's how i thought it was gonna go too yep and, and yeah we even said we're like she's gonna get carried like it's gonna happen carry apostrophe d um <laughs> not carried physically um yeah and i and it made me think so when we so we were on the black tribbles which is a on another local podcast um talking about the top 10 horror mm-hmm. there was a trend in which a lot of the horror movies that people found very scary happened to feature young women like just in their femininity or their puberty or just experience like it's just women are scary mm-hmm. for like what they go through which is like so like carrie right like, yeah carrie isn't scary to me um no. <laughs> even as like someone who grew up religious and can relate very hardcore to like her mother and like like having a mother like that or um you know just that puberty like being not knowing your body and being uncomfortable yeah, like with school that. doesn't teach you yeah <laughs> and you're like what's happening blood is a sign of dying yeah and like, what's going on guys uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah very um, much the same thing with like teeth right like mm-hmm. the fact that she like remarks that there are no um female genitalia or like an under there's no teaching of what happens to the female body mm-hmm. in they put stickers over things yeah to like to censor right and in this like there is talk of what happens to the woman um it talks about like that it gets you know whap <laughs> that whap happens mm-hmm. uh in, in in the body when you're doing that uh but even that is like kind of joked about in the class and there's like mm-hmm. you know it's kind of pushed to the side um but yeah, I, I, it just makes me think of like, why is female puberty so, so scary? scary? Yeah. <laughs> like to, to people, you know, like even ginger snaps, like we're just going to turn into rabid werewolves. The, the moon, the full moon, we turn 
Like, it's our time of the month. Send us out to the woods because it's danger, danger. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think this does a really good job of of <laughs> showing, like, really honest, like, puberty. Like, it wasn't, like, the the period thing. Like, at one point, she's acting out and, and her friend Dina just gives her, like, slides a tampon under mm-hmm. the door and is like, uh, I hope you feel better. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? we're at this point where we're not in Carrie world. Where it's so, like, it's funny. Yeah. We're in the world where it's, like, we understand. It's okay to be. That you get a period. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like that's, we get it. Um, Mm -hmm. But there, like, I I love that she's kind of dealing with, um, there's a parallel of genetics, right? Mm -hmm. Where she has um, her, she gets zits on her thighs. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, and, and it's, like, specifically, she's thinking, like, where did I get this from? Mm-hmm. That's such a specific thing. It must be from like a parent, right? And to have that and then also have her father who has committed suicide. And now we're seeing her. And, and on top of that, we learn that he also might have the same quote unquote superpower that yeah. she has. And so that's generational that she inherited that from him. She inherited her depression from him. Because even if we take out the supernatural element, mm-hmm. what we're really getting is a, a girl who is finding that she is very much like her father. Mm-hmm. She has depression as well. And that she might have some of the same, you know, uh, issues that, that he had or, or challenges that he had. Yeah, and being alone the same monsters. It. Yes. And being alone in that. And her mom, just like she was with the father, does not know what to do. Mm-hmm. The, all she knows to do is to love and just continue on and be like, I know that you're fighting stuff. I just don't, I can't, just please tell me. Mm-hmm. And it's never being the person that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. That's really real. I, there's like, I feel like, I, I mean, I guess speaking from my own experience, it's like there's this kind of unspoken battle that goes on in the head that isn't shared with really anybody. And it, it's, you see that a lot in the show that, like, the dad, like, never fully let her in. Yeah. Um, there's just kind of, like, this bad thing happened. Trauma, essentially. And he could not escape that. And there was this demon or monster inside of him that he could not shake. Mm-hmm. And they like, ultimately, it, it is very true that you do have to defeat that monster yourself. Yeah. But... It is essential and very important that you have, like, carried and supportive people around you. But I think it's very, like, you have to want to get better. Yeah. And a lot of, a big part of that is seeking help on your own, too. Like, telling people. That is, like, a very big first step. Mm-hmm. Is and like letting people, them. Yeah, trusting people and letting them into that world. And, like, this kind of, like, unconditionalness that, like, that won't be the thing that ends that relationship. Because I think that's, like the biggest fear or like the sense of burdening. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You're aware very much of how you feel and you don't want to put that on somebody else. And I feel like that's something that people kind of like, I wrote a song about it actually when we were in, like when I first moved to Philly, it was called Stones. And it was basically about like how trauma is like stones in your pockets. And when water is rising, you know what happens when you have stones in your pockets, you can't swim to the surface. So you don't want other people to also have stones in their pockets when you're carrying the stones. You feel like you can carry that yourself. Yeah. So why would I burden anybody with that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why would I 
take these stones and give them to other people because they're heavy and I know that they hurt and I know that they suck and why would I want anyone else to feel that way? So it's like, in terms of like getting to that point, it kind of seemed like that's where he was. He was not yeah. in the giving stones. We're a team. Let's carry this situation together. I know you're going to be with me at the end, like on the other, in the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever. Yeah. He did not allow her to help carry the stones, I guess, yeah. is kind of how I saw it. And I think specifically, like, when dealing with suicide, especially in this case, there was not note. Yeah. There was no note. There was no, like, ex explanation, which is something that is definitely, I've personally experienced that because when my stepdad killed himself, he did not leave a note. Um, and it's basically a thing where you will constantly question, you'll try to fill in those blanks. Yeah. You know, you'll try to like, be like, is there anything I could have done? Yeah. As you as an individual? No. Yeah. <laughs> could you, like, there's a million I could have, but were you the thing that made the thing happen? No. Yeah. You were a person who was there. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that person, person made the choice to not include you in their struggle. Yeah. And you cannot help that. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. But, like, the biggest thing is, like, you have to fill in the blanks. And you see specifically with Sid is that, like, she's kind of endlessly grappling with, like, what did he know that I was going to be weird? Mm. And that's why he didn't want to stick around. Yeah. Did he know that I was going to be this much? And, like, that's why he didn't stick around. Like, he knew I was going to be messed up. Yeah. So he didn't want to deal with that, and that's why he left. Or it's like, there's or this kind of... he didn't kinda... trust me enough, like, mm -hmm. like, he was so nice and all of that, and, and I thought he loved me, but not enough to tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's a part of it. So there's, like, yeah, there's a lot of filling in the blanks that happen, because you're just trying to rationalize how so... If, especially if you've never had those thoughts before, mm -hmm. and you don't relate in that way. That's like you're trying to rationalize how someone could even get there. Yeah. Because our concept of it is like, if like from the external generally, um, is that like some one thing is the thing that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Like this bad thing happened. It was the cause. Yeah. I didn't answer the phone that one time. Yeah. It's my f like. Yeah. And that's it is never one thing it is like the compounding and compound. You get a bunch of little stones. Yeah. By little tiny pebbles. You're filling your pockets up. You're like, oh, that was bad. Pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Keep walking. And then eventually it's like your pockets are, you can't walk anymore. Yeah. You are totally frozen in place. And the weight of that makes it seem like there is nothing else. And you essentially feel the weight of that and feel like a burden. And that's yeah. the transition. So you kind of get that. And Sid starts to feel that as well, I feel like, because she doesn't have that support system. Yeah, she definitely seems like a loner. And your your pebbles thing really makes me think of um of 13 reasons why, which mm. gets a lot of of crap honestly and it should. Mm -hmm. Um is a very toxic show. But I read the book in high school and it actually was a really helpful tool for me to understand suicide because in high school like I had friends and loved ones who struggled with that. Mm -hmm. And I had no like I had my own thoughts and didn't know what they were, what it was, mm -hmm. but like, I couldn't even fathom like getting to that point. Like I was like, I, I have all these like big stones and I'm just kind of dealing with it. Like I can't even yeah. imagine being at that point. And the book itself kind of like, because it, it's 13 reasons, right? Cause you start with one reason and you think like, really? 
this is why. But mm-hmm. then when you get to reason number 13 and you're seeing the spread of all the other ones and how they all compounded and built on each other, it's like, okay, I see now why she felt this way. I see why this was like the end. I see why she, how she got here. And mm-hmm. the show doesn't do it justice. The show is like, you know, toxic. It shows the the suicide as like a positive thing. It it it, it kind of like, as like, now they'll pay attention to me. And listen to my tapes and I can change the world because I did this, which is super awful to have yeah, for that a makes show people, of young people. Yeah, that makes people think that the the burden that you feel is true. Yeah. Take yourself out of the equation. Everyone will be happier. And I mean, honestly, that's how a lot of people who are dealing with that feel. Yes. Like they don't feel selfish in it. Some people do. Yeah. But like, I can't speak for everybody. But a big piece of it is you feel like a burden and you do not have the strength to fix yourself. So in taking yourself out, you are helping alleviate everyone else's stress. So that's a horrible, horrible message yeah. to leave at the end of a show. Yeah. And th- and that's why I think this show does a better, like, the we'll talk about the book, but I think the show in changing the ending was kind of, sh- like, there's a whole switch in her um, in the way that she reacts to all of it piling up that mm-hmm. I think is a way more positive, like note to leave young people with, especially if this is the last season, like if it does not get renewed, mm-hmm. um, that that's a positive thing that I think can be okay. Yeah. And I found a great article about it. Um, so it's the devastating impact of parental suicide and arrested grief. And I am not okay with this by Mike Alvarez on tour.com which i had never read before but they had some like really as someone who has lived through a similar experience myself can say is very accurate um and just kind of like in dealing with trauma so it says the impact of a parent's suicide on surviving children can be mitigated by social support network that provides a safe holding space in which taboo feelings can be aired without such as and like can be aired and without such a space a negative feelings will start to like fester there's like, as you said, like a piling mm-hmm. that takes place where honestly they say the best way to deal with a big traumatic event, like scientifically, um, is to have supportive figures who can help you process those emotions in a safe space. So we see in the show that like she is honestly in some cases reaching for those things. Yeah. But is constantly like kind of let down by the fact that other people are human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is very, like, because, like, the whole family is affected by this event. Yeah. Like, the mom's husband, love of her life, and father to her children yeah. is suddenly dead. Yeah. And she has that realization that, like, that thing he was battling won. Yeah. And I could not save him. I wasn't enough. Yeah. And it was, like, her, like, we find out at the end that they've been together since high school. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, he was her whole life. Yeah. And then I think there's a... Uh, Especially with, like, the spouse of whoever ends up taking their life. There's, like, the sense that, like, for the kids, sometimes it can be, like, a, what did you do? Because uh-huh. you were their person, you know? Yeah. They, there's, like, this kind of, they're already blaming themselves, but will sometimes receive, like, misdirected anger and rage and like guilt put upon them yeah. from, like, the surviving children. Yeah. Um, especially if they're 
reacting humanly and like not acting like super parent or whatever. Yeah. Um, I even saw this in a show that I was watching called Japan Thinks 2020 mm-hmm. and the father does not die from suicide, but just dies. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing, spoilers, sorry for anyone <laughs> it's very good i recommend um but the daughter like gets very angry at the mom for not reacting enough i see for not like grieving openly and publicly like she's trying to so i feel like there's also this kind of misunderstanding other people's griefs process and you see that with said too where she feels like the mom's just never home she has to take care of her brother she's like resenting her and it's like if dad was the one who survived this this isn't how he wouldn't have made me do this yeah and, it's and like, then, yeah, she's like, in this scenario, I'm the one who's dead. Like, and, mm-hmm. it's, and, and the mom is such a great character. And then I feel like she was very real. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think she was, like, a trope. No. She wasn't, like... She was just human. Yeah. Like, she was <laughs> like, you know what, Sydney? This sucks. Like, it sucks really hard. And it sucks for me. It sucks for your brother. It sucks for you. And we're all trying to f- figure it out. And that's just what it is at the end of the day. Like, I can't... Mm-hmm. I don't have a magical word for you. I also am suffering and it, you are not helping and I'm going to call you out on it. Like yeah. you're, you're a teen, but you're a young adult now. And so I have to trust you and believe in you and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you're not the only one who's experiencing this. And I think especially for teenagers and children who are already inherently like not even to their own faults, very selfish because that's their only perception of the world is like everything revolves around me. Mm-hmm. My parent or whoever it is, brings me food every morning or like if I have to feed myself at least like they come home and they're paying the rent for the house or like some factor that like they are responsible for me so the world clearly revolves around me so there's this natural selfishness that Mm -hmm. kind of in tandem goes with that because you have someone making sure you survive yeah essentially um and I think like there's this whole kind of blaming that took place and as you said the mom really like kind of stands her ground she's like this isn't just awful for you mm-hmm. but I think it ties back to the you know when we were talking about that Black Mirror episode where she puts the husband in the attic yeah um you can't a big part of their problem was they didn't talk about these things mm-hmm. there wasn't a safe space to kind of clear the air no one ever brought up the dad. The dad died in the basement and he stayed in the basement. Yeah, like they wouldn't go in the basement and it was a big deal for her to go down there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like that's also very real, like socioeconomically, when you cannot leave the space the trauma took place in and you have to go home to it every single day. Yeah. That impacts way different than like something awful happened, now you move. Yeah. It's like if you think of else. any pult- like ghost movie, yeah. essentially, where it's like, you find that you spent your whole life savings on this house and then you find out it's haunted and all this awful stuff happens you can't like not everybody can just sell the house guys yeah i can't just pack up and leave like that's not the answer yeah yeah so you have like this not talking about it you have kind of the rage that because they didn't go away so like the pain of that just kind of as the article says festers and you kind of see that the rage is what fuels her powers and yeah fuels like kind of every negative interaction she has with every human that exists around her well there's so there's two things i wanted to bring up one um there's when we were watching it you brought up like you know how you were like i'm thankful that i didn't have like that you didn't have these powers when you were going through that stuff because especially at that age i would have wrecked some stuff i would i would not be here today i know that (laughs) much because i would be somewhere where they 
make you not do stuff anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I would have done some dark things because I was in a really dark place. Yeah, and, and especially when you're that age, um, everything is is felt exponentially, right? Like it just mm-hmm. continues to grow. It's at the height of any feeling you could ever have, whether that's love or pain, grief or happiness. Like all of that is like the, to the nth degree of, of what you can feel as a human being. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're chasing that high for the rest of your life if you had it. Um, or it's like if some, you experience trauma, that's such a, a, a big age for that. And so she really is, like, I think it's great that she is this flawed heroine, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that she confronts that Like, she's as a well. dick. She sucks. Yeah. But she's also... She's just human. Going through a lot. Yeah. And, like, I think she, like, kind of gives herself that room um, and is acknowledging it, but also, like, only to the degree that, like, a young person can. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, towards the end, she, like, admits. She's like, I have been a bad friend. I did wrong. Like, I'm in the wrong in that. I have been a bad big sister. Because I, like, let my pain and my experiences overshadow what my brother was going through and not help, like, seeing him as a burden instead of seeing, like, I should step up. And, like... Oh, brother was great, too. Yeah. He was stepping up way more than... And he, he was young. He was cook and all that. Yeah. Yeah. He was such a... Gen- he's such a good character. Everyone um, processes it differently. It's yeah. Really... And he's also so young mm-hmm. that he didn't have those same connections that Sydney had. And so, like, that was, I think, a really beautiful portrayal in, like, her rage and just being human. But it through at the beginning of this, it really made me think of another graphic novel turned film, mm. which is called I Kill Giants. And it's about a young girl who essentially kills giants. She kills, like, trolls. And, like, she goes on these adventures and she <laughs> has, like, a, a sword that's named after a baseball player. And what you find is, like, she, she has all these things and she has a friend who's trying to, like get to know her and like mm-hmm. it's her first friend and she's fighting this big monster and what we find spoilers for this beautiful um thing i highly recommend definitely read it definitely even watching it it's pretty great as a film too is that at the end of the day it's really like the giant is a the supernatural things that we've been seeing is a representation of the fact that her mother has cancer and is dying and so, like, you see her house and it's, like, haunted. She'll avoid this room. Like, she runs. Like, she sleeps in the basement or downstairs in her little fort. And you think it's just because she's a quirky kid. It's because she can't go up to her room because her mom's in the other room dying. Mm. And so she thinks, like, I have failed as, like, a young person and uh, can't fight the monster that got my mom. Mm-hmm. And so for for me, what I see is, like, we have a supernatural manifestation of our grief and, like, she's fighting the entire time like that didn't just happen like i'm thinking into this there's no way that i caused that thing to happen yeah oh it keeps happening and it's definitely because i'm emotional and angry (laughs) like on top of the fact that like my dad died um i have feelings for my best friend that are not natural like you know going in that like why don't I feel connected to Stanley? He is great. I love him as a human, mm-hmm. but I do not love him that way. Why not? Yeah, like processing her sexuality that, I mean, it is 2020, so it's not as as perceived as not normal, but I guess depending on where you are in the country slash world. Yeah. Because there are definitely places that are still very not accepting of different sexualities. Yeah, and she definitely is like, like that's clearly not the issue. It's more of like, I'm in love with this person and I don't know if she would be mm. in love with me because heretofore she has been with men and she likes them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, you know, putting yourself out there and being like, oh, 
it's not as friends and I kissed you and it's not because I, I was drunk and it's silly and girls experiment. It's because, like, I'm infatuated with you. You're mm-hmm. the love of my life. Um, which, and then later we're kind of getting that because, and, and I think, like, Dina's reaction to that was really quite great in that, you know, she was like, whoa, like, hold on. And it wasn't like, oh, get away from me. Disgusting. Yeah. It was like, hold on. No, we need to talk about this. Like, like I care about you. Yeah. I was not expecting such, if I would want to uh, be expecting of it, if it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, can we talk about what just happened? Yeah. Or yeah. if, like, if this means more to you than that, than mm-hmm. just being drunk girls, I want you to tell me that. Because mm-hmm. as your friend, I need to know that so we can actually talk and work this through mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah. You cannot bury this. And she's just like, no, 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 it's fine. And, like, runs away. But she very much was like, Dina was like, Hold on. Yeah. I don't think you're awful. I don't want you out of my life. I just want to know what's going on here. Yeah. Like what motivated? Yeah. Is this a thing? Is fetch happening? Yes. And should I, like, how should I be reacting to this? And it's only fair that you tell me so I can react appropriately. And like, yeah, I think that was really nice to see Mm -hmm. as for a friend and not to to have that generic, like, get away from me. How could you do that? Mm -hmm. And I do wish we had more of Dina. Um, cause I think there's a lot going on with Dina too. And she's mm-hmm. very much like, I'm your best friend. You're supposed to be telling me all these things and you have not been telling me things mm-hmm. and I can't help you now. Like yeah. you're being a bad friend. <laughs> that's so, I mean, it's really real though. Cause it, it's, you kind of need that voice. That's like, I understand you're not just telling anybody about this. I need you to tell me about it. Like yeah. if you consider us and like, you need someone to shake you and be like, what's wrong? Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but I know specifically in, like, my own family, my mom has said that to me, where, like, at sh- times where she hasn't been okay, she's like, why didn't anyone shake me and acknowledge how not okay I was? And I was like, well, one, I was a child, but two, <laughs> yeah. um, other people, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they probably were just enabling, and because people do that, because they, they don't, don't know what else to people do. People don't know how to be honest with each other. Um, yeah. I've enabled in my life as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's like very real that you like kind of need that kind of earth, like world shattering voice to kind of wake you up to that you're seen. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a big piece where it's like, if someone is really close to you, that they are acknowledging that they see that something's not right. Yeah. And it is not their job to fix it. But it is the person who's experienced its job to be a good friend and, like, allow someone to help them. Yeah. Um, to trust someone. Because mm-hmm. that comes up in, in, in Woke that you, mm-hmm. you told me to watch, um, where she, the the girlfriend, like, he's like, you wouldn't understand anyway. And so she's like, so you just didn't tell me and, like, give me, like, the opportunity to even let you down. Like, you didn't even give me the t- option. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this is, right, is she's like... You just assumed that my friendship would end there. And, like, I understand that you're not going to tell everyone what you're going through, but you're supposed to at least tell me. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. the one that you're supposed to tell. Yeah. And had, I think, if she had told Dina and not Stanley, like, if if Dina had found her out instead of Stanley, we would have gotten a different ending. Because there would have been a different kind of approach to it than Stanley Mm -hmm. was, because Stanley was the go-to, like, I'm the nerd we're just going to find your, this is your origin story. Yeah. Like, this is kind of I a read game. comic books. Yeah. And that's fine. And yeah. Stan- the actor Stanley is also the Stanley in 
It chapter one, which mm-hmm. is cute. And he's a great character. Like, he's also going through a lot. Oh, yeah. And I guess it also kind of goes back to, like, not being... Being very aware you're not the only one going through the end of the world for yourself. Yeah. Like, other people are experiencing things just as bad, if not worse. So that's not, like, as an attempt to belittle your... Ever, both are valid. Yes. But both need to be acknowledged. Like, you yeah. can't just be you're like... You're not alone. My life! Yeah. Awful! And be like, no one else knows what I experienced. No one else is sad. It's like, that's not true. <laughs> so many people are sad, always. Yeah, like, a lot of us are sad right now. Yeah. Most of us are sad. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they don't know the cause. And they blame the cause on things that aren't the cause. And the world just needs to all just go to therapy. Everybody. Yeah. I don't know who the therapist will be if everybody's going. Maybe we just buddy <laughs> well, up. Yeah, we just all together. We buddy up. Take some classes. Group therapy. That's true. I also feel like it, it seemed like Dina was like the unfortunately like least developed yeah friend character and i don't know if it's it just goes back to that like poc trope yeah where oh, you have like are you okay yeah mm-hmm. which sucks yeah if that's what it is um i think but they were a great character yeah and, like were pivotable pivotable pivotal pivotal in the <laughs> in the things yeah we all know your words good mm-hmm. yeah i think like there are things that i liked there are some twists with Dina where we stepped away from some cliches mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Like they like the fact that she is the cheerleader and she or not cheerleader, but she's like she a popular yeah. girl. She wasn't a cheerleader, but she still had pep, right? Mm-hmm. And like in the whole like the whole beginning was essentially like the same kind of beginning that we get in Jennifer's body, where um I forget her name. Amanda Seafried's character. Yes. I forget her name. But where she's like, I don't know why this beautiful girl who's, like, super peppy and everyone loves her and she's got boobs, uh, why she's friends with me, the dopey sidekick. Yeah. Right? And we get that. And it could have been so easy to just dismiss Dina as an airhead mm-hmm. who, like, just is, like, careless in what she's talking about. Um, and then eventually we'll, like, leave our, our leave Sid because she's too good for her that she thinks that right like this yeah is that's her not what, it wasn't just sandbox friends yeah it was like genuine we're friends like stop acting like i'm gonna do that yeah give me the chance to figure out what's going on i used to know everything about you yeah let me know stuff yeah like this like if jennifer's body was made with these characters one i believe they're in high school <laughs> They're the appropriate age. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, when they had their kiss, that felt real. That yeah. felt honest, and that felt like something that would really happen, whereas in Jennifer's body, that was, no, that's a big no-no, right? But there's also, like, this element of, like, the supernatural and how it's it's um, kind of showing itself mm-hmm. um, that I really do feel like Dina would have been accepting of. I think her... Um, the fe- like when they ask her to seduce the janitor, and then he's like, "You don't need to do this." One, mm-hmm. I'm gay. Two, please do better for yourself. Like, don't yeah. do this. Come on, hon. Right? And that like that was cute, but like the fact that she's like, "Yeah, all right, I'm gonna go along with this," or "Yeah, I'm gonna follow you here." Yeah, I'm gonna put makeup on you, but like in a like to the degree of your like happiness. Yeah. Like never putting she you was out just of your like a real friend zone. the whole time. Yeah. Even at the end, like, let's go to the dance. I know we have to have pep. And then like being very honest at the end too, like, we never talked about this, but we need to talk about this. 
Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> we didn't figure it out yet. Yeah. And I, I, I really loved that. So there's parts of her character that I loved. I loved her genuine, like, relationship with Brad or whatever, Chad. Brad is his real name. <laughs> Richard his... is his fake name. Oh, I thought, okay. Is Brad, Brad is Brad... his real name. I'm going to just call him Brad. I love the scene where she fi- Sid finds out that he's che- he cheated on her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't tell. And then she comes in. And then she's like, Sid. <laughs> and then she opens her mouth and takes a big breath. And then it cuts to the reaction. Yeah. Because it's like, we didn't need to see her telling him. We just yeah. heard that. And I was like, it was that really was really well done. Very great cinematography and, like, choice of, of quick edits. Because it was just like, <gasps> she, like, ran. That was so good. And, I, yeah, I just think, like, her reaction to, like, all the hot guys now who are, like, trying to hit on her. And she's like, no, I'm done with dudes. Like... Just she was yeah. such a good per I loved her. And I would love yeah. to see more than of her. And if we did in the future get a second season, I would want to see more than her. Yeah, more of her backstory too. Yeah, because I'm like, sure how she's going she become stuff. such a great human. Yeah. What's the what's the scoop there? Yeah. And the fact like she wasn't a like cheerleader or like super like, but still got with the guy from the football team yeah. and like just like how she's like really cool. Yeah. Just always. And like how what's what's why? Yeah. We never saw her family. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would just be really cool to, like, get more of a history. And there's not a lot of POC. The one mm. other POC is Brad's friend. And he's literally, uh, his. he doesn't get a name. And in the subtitles, it just said, like, Brad's friend or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, God. Like, British friends. And I was like, that's, and he was literally the character that was like, like, are you okay? Is everything yeah. fine? Like, he was like, okay, you're mad. Like, that was his whole thing. I was like, what is this guy? It felt so bad that that's how dismissed he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, like, there's a th- the theme of, like, uh, grief following you and you're not confronting it when she starts to get paranoid and stuff. Because um, the grief counselor the, or the counselor at the school is literally like, do you think it's your father Yeah, that's following you? And she's like, my father's dead. She's like, yeah, he is. And doesn't like, mean doesn't you, mean that you don't see him. Yeah. Doesn't mean that he's still here and he's still doing it. Like you like and then coupled with the fact that she actually is being followed. <laughs> like there is a spooky guy over there. Like I would love to see a season two. So, um, Kat, why don't you tell us what actually happens in the graphic novel? Sure, it's really sad. Um <laughs> Yeah. So basically, this was gonna end way more sad in the co- our graphic novel than it did in the book. And there's a reason for that. Um, but it's it's very meh. Um, so in the graphic novel, essentially, instead, so the last scene you have where Dina and Sid are about to have their moment and then Richard slash Brad shows up to ruin the day and says just really some homophobic stuff mm-hmm. coupled with a bunch of other just like really mean things. So the way that it's described in the from the same website tour.com, uh the article kind of talks about how like the wound was already just healing. It mm-hmm. hadn't healed all the way. Like yeah. she had finally found her support circle yeah. that was helping her like cope with the reality of everything going on, helping yeah. to carry some of the weight of it, helping to like Just get her the out. Beginning. Mm-hmm. And then to have that character reopen everything when it's fresh and like in trauma, that is something that's very real where it's triggers. 
Yeah. You know, you don't fully... And when you have a power such as exploding things... Yeah. Uh, that's very uncontrollable. So in the graphic novel, and while he's, like, berating her, essentially, instead of, like, in the show where she blows up his head... Spoilers. She, spoilers. Uh, she blows up her own. So, and that's because about 50% of people who are children of people who've killed themselves um, eventually either attempt to or succumb to the same end result. So, there's kind of like this cycle that takes place where it's like if you had a parent who committed suicide that you are now 50% more likely to do so yourself. Um, and there's not like a timetable. Yeah. It's just like in your existence. So in the graphic novel, it ends kind of like, and it it makes sense because it's like a kind of like a tribute to the fact that that is a very real statistic that does happen. Yeah. Um, But I guess in the Netflix version, you have a little more hope. Yeah. In that, yes, she did murder somebody. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. Um, but, but how are we going to explain that she did it as well, you know? Yeah, I don't think, I think it's more so similar to the dad is battling the guilt of exploding everyone he was friends with in war. Yeah. Um, she's going to have to live with the fact that she blew up Brad's head. Yeah. The problematic white dude who was really mean to everybody. And maybe had problems, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like he had to have had problems, he too. He definitely did, yeah. Uh, toxic masculinity or something. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, fear, failure, all this mm -hmm. and the above. Um, but essentially, yeah, in the graphic novel, it ended a lot more dark. Because it's kind of just to, like, acknowledge that that's a thing that does happen. Um, and it, luckily, I, I do like the... I know that it's not getting a second season as of right now but at least in the netflix one there it lands more on like a hopeful end yeah where you're like because there's also another 50 percent that don't yeah. and yeah. you know as i would say like when you've experienced that if you have that support system even if like it comes to you later like mm -hmm. so for me it was when i moved to philly and met you mm -hmm. gabe mm -hmm. <laughs> and my friend will and like a handful of other people like that was when I finally started feeling like, oh, cool. I could live more. Yeah. I could be here for longer. At least not on purpose. Like, you know. Yeah. I won't go out on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. I was like, this is cool. Trust. Yeah. <laughs> Trust, um, But, like, yeah, it's, it's very real. It's, like, essentially, if you're dealing with all of that, like, you're more likely to, um, but I feel like you're also more in tune to be empathetic with others. There's also a lot of, like, it's not positives. I won't say positives. Mm -hmm. But you're more, like, emo like if you go through that in a teenage age, essentially, you're, one, you have to self-reflect more than most other teenagers your age. You're very aware of yourself. Yeah. And whether that is forming a very negative self-image of yourself or just figuring who the heck you are. Yeah. Um. Like, at the end of the line of it all, you are becoming a more emotionally conscious and empathetic person because you're more aware that one life can suddenly not be anymore. The people yeah. around you, you should tell them how you feel. You should be telling people you love them while they're still here. Yeah. Um, you should kind of, like, not leave. Like, if you feel very strongly a certain way about stuff, you should not leave that, like, hidden. Yeah. Because the end result is 
walking into water with stones in your pockets. <laughs> this is kind of like bad times. Bad times for everybody. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I feel like it makes you more emotionally. Trauma does that in general. It makes you experience a lot of rage, stress, damage to yourself, but you kind of have a better glow up, Yeah. I think, in my opinion. I'm not saying, like, everyone go experience some trauma to be better as a people, but, like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think overall this is a really great show. I think it combats a lot of tropes and myths that we find in, uh, I'd say, cinema. Because it's not mm-hmm. I, there's horror elements to it. There's some really spooky things that happen in it, um, like when she's in the library or when she feels like she's being followed. But it really is, like, a, obviously a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not Carrie. Like, she's not super hopeless, she is a heroine in, in that she is kind of, in a real way, combating her own feelings of hopelessness and being nothing and just being a teen and uh, having your first sexual experience and then realizing that you Isn't are for you. a lesbian yeah. at the end, of, like, on top of everything else. Um, and then not being, like, this the most detrimental thing to her either which is kind of Mm -hmm. nice um that wasn't her whole story yeah which is something that you see with a lot of like queer horror tropes is that like they are nothing but the fact that they're queer yeah um yeah that wasn't what happened and like when they're talking about how she's in love with her best friend it didn't feel to me like anyone who was hearing that was like, oh, gross. Like, everyone yeah, was they're like, like, what oh. is your deal, dude? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's okay, fine. sorry that, like, she left you for a lady. Like, everyone, no one thought he was a good guy in that. Yeah, and no, everyone survived. was very much like, what? Dude, yeah. chill. Like, it's not a big deal. We already know she's different. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, yeah, like, she's just an angry kid whose dad died. Like, that's what her whole thing was. Yeah. Like, that was it's also, thing. like, why bully people when they experience something awful? Yeah. Why is that the move? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that one girl who just liked to stir stuff up. Mm-hmm. So she just, like, she's obviously going through stuff as well. So I think, like, those characters could be, like, if we got a second season would be able to kind of build out from just, like, I'm playing a part. Yeah, you see the cool, like, uh, Strangers thing, Stranger Things dynamic, where you get, like, surface, mm-hmm. and then you get backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Down the line. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I think that would be, I, I would like a, a second season, but unfortunately right now, as far as we know. Rona. It was, yeah, it was canceled because of Rona and may or may not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're glad to be back. We're renewed for... <laughs> another season of the goals because we're the deciders of such yeah we make our own stuff um so this month is again the kids are all right um so make sure you tune in next week we're talking about the chosen one trope with teen girls uh in some problematic one of the most problematic chosen ones like think of um for a lot of reasons but if you like what you're hearing please like and subscribe uh leave us a comment on itunes but also if you haven't and you're not watching check out our youtube where we have the visuals of Mm -hmm. us um you can kind of see sometimes we dress up we're a little bit dressed up the show is very casual it's just teens at high school being their teeny selves yeah (laughs) i have bangs because Dina, or Sophia, the, the actress, has renewed 
my love of curly bangs. Um, she just rocks it. She does a way better job. But if you're there, please subscribe and like and comment. We love getting comments on the bottom of our videos because we will yeah. respond. We will talk to you. Send yeah, us tell an us email. Tell us how you feel, man. Tell yeah. us your stuff. Be like, ghouls are great or ghouls, you suck. Whatever. Yeah, yeah we want to know. Yeah, like if you're like, oh, I love I want to know why, though, if you don't like us. Yes, yeah. We constructive criticism. <laughs> yeah, we need closure. Uh, like, yeah, if you're like, oh, you forgot this part, or please mention this, or like, you know, in the future, do an episode on X, Y, and Z. We love to hear that. Send we us gotcha. an email at theghoulsnextdoor at gmail.com or check out our website, theghoulsnextdoor.com. Yeah. All words. Don't get, get married. married. Delete Eat your kids. kids. And they'll be fine. That's fine. Yeah, don't get married or they'll die and then your kids explode their head or somebody else's head. No, they're not gonna. It's gonna be it's Netflix. We're, we all Netflix. <laughs> Netflix and chill. Yes. Yep. So right, we'll keep well, our heads, slender bodies. Yes. Don't explode any heads, kids. All right. Bye. Bye.